history of the franchise. Here we go, They're seven seconds. Deep. Berkovici, he's just going to air it out deep downfield, and uh, no white shirts around. Oh, oh, it's it's gone. Gone. For a touchdown. It doesn't get any better than this. What is up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Red Shirt Podcast. Today, the trade deadline, it has passed. We are recording this on August 6th, and after what appeared to be a quiet deadline leading up to it last couple days, absolutely crazy. And so today, I'm here to break down the trade deadline with my recurring guest, Noah. Noah McGrubland. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm glad to be back on the Red Shirt Podcast. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm stoked to have you. Let's get right into it. So we're going to break this down into a bunch of categories. Um, and look, winners come first. So let's start with winners. Who, um, Who's your big winner or big winners at this trade deadline? Um, my big winner for this trade deadline is a layup. It's the San Diego Padres. They gave a lot. They gave a lot. They gave their entire system. But my goodness, they got the modern-day Ted Williams as well as Josh Bell. They traded for Josh Hader, and they got Brandon Drury. I mean, what a fantastic deadline for the Padres. And what a good thing for baseball for a team like the Padres to go out and do this. It was really exciting to see them do this. And it was even more exciting to watch that game on Wednesday when they beat the Rockies. The Padres are my trade deadline winners. And I think they should be everybody's trade deadline winners. I agree. I mean, the Padres have to be the pick, but for sake of not repeating over, I'll give you a different winner. And I'm going to say the Minnesota twins. I think, I, I don't think the twins, you know, going into this year as they were both, you know, before the deadline, necessarily reflect a playoff team like where they are in the standings but they went into the deadline leading that division see that as an opportunity to you know buy a little bit add on to that and I think they did a really good job of doing it I'm a big Tyler Molly fan I think they did a good job getting him Um, I think the you know in return they they gave up a fair amount I think the Reds got it's you know a decent package back but molly's a guy who i think will definitely perform even better when he's not playing at great american ballpark um so he's definitely a breakout candidate in my opinion it's just i mean it's you know you say it about a lot of guys but it's about the walks he needs to get those walks down because i think the home runs it'll do it itself when you're not playing in cincinnati he has to cut down on the walks and i believe he can you know be a front line type starting pitcher and then you have the matting jorge lopez um who has been, you know, one of the biggest breakout stars this year, transitioning to the bullpen with Baltimore. Um, you have some good control over him. And these guys, you know, they they paid a price for him. They didn't get him for free by any means, but I think they bought smart considering their position they're in. Um, if no one else in the division is going to take advantage or try to make a move to the postseason, I think they that the Twins were absolutely winners and set themselves up to – to make the playoffs does that mean that they'll break their curse of not winning a playoff game i don't know about that but i th- i would expect the twins to be in the postseason i think they really solidified that at this deadline um so yeah the winners and then after winners of course are losers who is your big loser at this trade deadline um my biggest loser at this trade deadline is the chicago white Sox, who basically did nothing i mean i don't think they made a trade on deadline day And it's been a weird year for the White Sox. I mean, 
they've dealt with injuries. They've dealt with Tony Larusa. They've dealt with some misfortune, but they're still in the thick of a division race and they did absolutely nothing. And I know that farm system isn't packed. Like I know they can't go out and get a guy like Jorge Lopez or out, go out and get a guy like, I, I mean, they could probably get a guy like Brandon Drury, but you know, like a solid middle of the order bat. So yes, they're limited in that sense, but it's disappointing to me that they did absolutely nothing. I mean, uh, I what, mean they got, they got Diekman. Did they make yeah, another move besides they traded, Diekman? They traded Reese McGuire for Jake Diekman. And that was the only move they made. They, it just, it's, it doesn't move me. And I, I really think they're the losers because they're in a division race and they didn't make a move. Yeah, I mean, I, I think for the fact that they, with all the injuries they've dealt with, with the regression that they've dealt with, they're in a division that, I don't know if I'd say it's for the taking, but it's certainly, you know, if they made a couple moves, you know, it, it's within, you know, distance. That's what I was saying about the Twins, is the Twins by nature aren't necessarily this incredible team, but the White Sox are, I don't want to say accepting defeat exactly, but it kind of feels like that's what it is. I saw some quotes from their general manager, Rick Hahn. And, and I just, I'm, I'm confused. I, I understand they can't make the big moves. They don't have the assets to necessarily do that, but to stand Pat when this is supposed to be a team that they're like in their prime ish like this, remember when the Padres and the White Sox, you know, were on that collision course. It was like, Oh, these two young fun teams <laughs> are going to play in the world series kind of thing. I mean, man, it definitely is tough for the White Sox deadline. And uh, speaking of Rick Hahn, by the way, I just got to say, I feel bad for that, his circumstances. He's got Jerry Reinsdorf as the owner and Tony LaRusso as the manager. Oh, he's, like total, he- he's totally pigeonholed. He, um, he's in a brutal sandwich of, of an incompetent manager that was you know, more or less appointed by an idiot of an owner. So I, uh, I concur. My loser, I would say, if when I'm not talking about the White Sox, you could also bring up the Guardians for a similar reason in that, you know, make a move for the division, but I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to go with the only team that did less than the Chicago White Sox at the deadline, and that's the, that's the Rockies, um, Colorado Rockies. I say that they're losers not because I expected them to make any big trades, whether it be, you know, big acquisition, major leaguer, or get any sort of star-studded, prospect package it's more so the philosophical issue of the rockies is that they do this time in time out last year they didn't trade trevor story um they didn't trade any of their pitchers such as a herman marquez a kyle freeland and the cycle continues of mediocrity and i i don't understand how they're content with it no they didn't have any huge trade pieces to necessarily get rid of and and i don't know how much you would get for a 37 year old daniel bard Certainly, I'd rather take a lottery ticket than, you know, having two years of this reliever when when what's a reliever going to do for you in their situation? Or like CJ Crone's having a great year. He's a great player to have. But for a team like them, CJ Crone doesn't fit any sort of their timeline. You could probably get a decent return for him. Um, everyone needs power in a, just a bat in general in a year where nothing's happening. I just think the philosophical failures of the Rockies and that they continue to stand pat and think something's going to change. Like you got, you got to start doing something or they're going to consistently, you know, if they're fine with being just fourth in the division every year, 
that's fine. But I just, that's not, you don't build a winning team by consistently doing nothing. And that is what I'll say about the Rockies. They don't, they don't even like have a direction because it's not like they aren't spending money. I mean, they signed Chris Bryant, but they also traded Nolan Arenado and they didn't trade Trevor Story and they extended their 37 year old closer. I, it's, it's I mean, true. It's truly puzzling. Um, okay. Best trade. What was your, your favorite trade from this deadline? I think my favorite trade at this deadline was the Luis Castillo deal, but not only for the Reds. I, I think the Reds got a phenomenal return, but I also think, you know, the Mariners getting Luis Castillo. I think this is a pretty even trade, honestly. And, you know, I'm sure for Nick Kroll, the Reds general manager, it was, it was going to be hard to move Luis Castillo, but I'm sure when he heard he could get Edwin Arroyo and Novi Marte, he was thrilled. And I think just, what a great trade. What a great trade for the Mariners and what a great trade for the Reds. I am really excited to see that Reds middle infield in a few years, assuming they don't trade them. Yeah. Hope, hopefully they don't. Cause that that's going to be a star studded, uh, a star studded infield in my and opinion. If, and if Seattle can extend Luis Castillo, then this is a perfect trade for them too. I mean, controllable Absolutely. arm, beautiful trade. Absolutely. Um, my best trade, I have the San Diego Padres acquiring Brandon Drury in exchange for Victor Acosta. Um, I think this is a win-win in the sense, the you know, for a team like Cincinnati, uh, most of their guys they have on these one-year deals, they're looking for them to produce, be able to flip them at the deadline. And that was exactly what Brandon Drury did. He had He's had a career year. He's been phenomenal. And then to be able to flip him for Acosta, who he's a, you know, he's definitely a lottery ticket of sorts. He's only 17, 18 years old, but you know, just to even get a kid with that much talent on the surface, huge win for, for someone as unheralded as Drury going into the year. And then for the San Diego Padres, especially just as the cherry on top to making that Juan Soto Josh Bell trade to be able to get another solid piece for this run. I think, I mean, very mutually beneficial. Um, made a lot of sense to me. Um, okay. But with best trade comes worst trade. What was your least favorite trade? Um, you know, it's kind of hard to like have a least favorite trade, but after looking at all the options, I don't, I, th- I think I've decided I, I don't like the Josh Hader trade for the Padres. I mean, obviously when you look at it just in terms of the Padres acquired Josh Hader, that, that's like, you know, that's great. I think that's fantastic for San Diego. But I don't like that they gave up outfield prospect uh, Estri Ruiz. I mean, I know he's kind of been playing in the big leagues, but I still think he holds that prospect status. And you trade Taylor Rogers. So basically, that big offseason trade they did for Taylor Rogers, uh, they gave up what Paddock and Pagan, and they got Rogers and Rooker. Yep. So basically, they gave up Chris Paddock and Emilio Pagan, albeit, you know, not great. And then Estri Ruiz. And they got Josh Hader. But the thing I have here for the Padres is they're going to now have to either pay Josh Hader or just let him walk. And they just gave up these four pieces, including Paddock and Pagan, which they got for Rogers for Hader. Um, so I think in the short term, it will be a good trade, but we'll see how it, how it ages. Yeah, it's interesting because at first I really wasn't a fan just because – um, I'm a huge Esteor Ruiz fan. I think he, at worst, is could be, would be a great fourth outfielder, and at best could be like a 2030 
home run to stolen base kind of guy. Um, Hater, the, the thing about Hater is you have him through next year, but you're going to have to pay his ARB, which will be something probably around a $15, $16 million um, versus Rogers, who is a pending free agent. But like, if you wanted to bring him back, would obviously, will likely be at a mark lower than that. Weird trade. Um, also gave up Gasser. I, I don't love it in terms of a value kind of trade for the Padres, but it's also hard to be mad as a fan of the Padres when you're getting one of the best closers. So it's kind of, you know, trade off. I would say my, what I would consider the worst trade, my least favorite trade is less about the, like the content of the trade in terms of what they're acquiring, but it has to be that the Orioles traded Trey Mancini, man. Um, I love Seth Johnson, who they, you know, acquired from the Rays in exchange as part of that three-way deal. He was one of my favorite under the radar prospects that I wrote about um, last month, along with, along with Este Ruiz, but for them to trade their face of the franchise after going on this incredible run after, I mean, at this point, yes, I know they traded trade. They traded Jorge Lopez, um, but they're in a playoff race, whether they planned on it, whether they actually think there's any sort of legitimacy to it. They have played great baseball. They're in a playoff race and to give up your face of the franchise um, in general, when he clearly loves it there, he wants to be there. It's just tough, man. And and I, again, love Seth Johnson, but he's also getting Tommy John surgery. And so it goes back to when you and I were talking when we did our pre-deadline podcast about it's like you trade Trey Mancini as a rental, you know, the guy you get back, not, you know, you hope he's going to be as good as Trey Mancini. Trey Mancini has been great for, for the Orioles his whole tenure there. And to give him up after this miraculous run, it's just, it's a little disheartening would be the main thing, but that's not to say they, I think they actually got decent comp. For him. No, they did. They did a great job. It, it's just in terms of like, again, like I said, love Seth Johnson. It's more so just the idea of trading the face of your franchise, someone that means so much to Baltimore and vice versa at that time. It's just, it's a little disheartening. And, and I don't think like any of this means anything, but I do find it interesting that since the deadline, they haven't lost a game. It's just like they, they just that team can't be stopped. It doesn't matter what happens. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're not rooting for the Orioles, you're rooting wrong. Um, I think it would not that I've been around on this planet for that long, but I think in in my time as a sports fan, I think it will be the most miraculous playoff run ever that I've seen. Just to even it, make it if they were to make it. Well, and the thing is, um, I'm sure people would reference the expanded playoff, but if the expanded playoff wasn't a thing, they would still be one game out of the wild card because Tampa Bay and Seattle are tied for yeah. the five seed. Yeah. Um, okay. Moving on from worst trade, what about underrated trade? I like Mitch White to Toronto. Uh, I think Mitch White like is a is a solid middle of the rotation arm at this point. And Toronto gave up a few lottery tickets who profile well and will probably turn into superstars to the Dodgers. But um, right now in the present, I think, you know, it's not a very glamorous trade, but uh, Toronto was obviously priced out on Noah Syndergaard. So they pivot to Mitch White, who's controllable and is a solid arm, slots right into their rotation. I like that trade for Toronto. It's kind of under the radar. Sticking with Toronto, I like another trade they they made, and that was to acquire Anthony Bass and Zach Pop from the – Miami Marlins in exchange for Jordan Groshans. 
Um, Bass has quietly been super effective with a 1.58 ERA and a 2.32 FIP um, in 45 innings this year. And Pop as well, only in 21 innings, but he has a 3.43 ERA, 2.83 FIP. I think both of those guys are, are arms you like to have in your bullpen when you're in a postseason run, I think. But, you know, you can't afford to lose games because of your bullpen. You, don't, you know, you really can't give up give up innings once you're past that rotation like it's just it's not a recipe for success in terms of of making the playoffs in in an uber competitive division league thanks to you know the orioles the orioles have thrown another wrench in that i think they were great guests jordan groshans um is kind of touted but he just doesn't really hit for any sort of power these days like um in his season with the blue jays and triple a he just like he can get on he just not doesn't have the pop. So I don't really mind giving up a guy like that when you're, when you're trying to make moves. And I think both of those guys can be solid relievers. Um, un, from underrated trade, let's flip side. That's kind of the theme of this going back and forth. Um, what do you have as the most overrated trade? Uh, I, I think one of the most overrated trades is uh, Jorge Lopez to Minnesota. Like Jorge Lopez has been, a, a great reliever this off season. I mean, this season, sorry. Uh, but I, I feel like he's kind of overperformed and he's going to come back down to earth a little bit in Minnesota and has kind of been living off of, he, I mean, he's a sinker baller and he has a 228 Babbitt. So eventually that number is going to go up and results aren't going to favor him. Um, and they, they gave up a, a few minor league arms, nothing special. Uh, I think they gave up like two bullpen arms and then two minor league arms. I don't know. I just, I feel like this trade uh, is very meh. And I think some people acting like the twins just got an elite bullpen arm in the game. I don't think that's true. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with you there. I think it's a little, it's overplayed. I still think it was a good move for them, but it's not as, I agree. You got to keep it in the context of he's having an insane couple, you know, months. It's more, you know, it's unfair to say that this is who he's going to be for the rest of time. Um, I would say my overrated move, and I don't think it's overrated by people like you and me, but maybe people less in tune with, with this part of baseball, but I'd say Whit Merrifield to the Toronto Blue Jays. He just doesn't really bring anything to the table anymore. He's batting 244 and 293, 354 slugging. That's an 81 WRC plus. His defense hasn't even been good this year. Um, I mean, he's he's a fine like bench guy, I guess. But from where he once was, which he was never that great of a hitter, but he was more valuable just as an overall guy in your lineup in the field. It just it doesn't. He makes a very marginal marginal difference. Um, man, did the, did the Royals mess up? Because I feel like three years ago they could have gotten something really, really good for Whit Merrifield, and now they just had to settle for a, you know, a fringe bullpen arm and uh, meh middle infield prospect. Absolutely, they um they definitely could have gotten something for Whit, and I think that's just I mean it it's hard when you're a bad team and you got a guy that's halfway decent. Sometimes it's just hard to part with them because, you know, some of the fan backlash and, and, and just the philosophically, it's sometimes hard to think about trading your good players. But in the case of a guy like Whit Merrifield, who's an older guy 
who was never that great of a pure hitter. Um, it, it's a little confusing how they held on him so long. And he's not like he, he doesn't have any ties to like their World Series winning team or anything. It's like I mean I know he was liked in Kansas City, but Whit Merrifield isn't gonna sell tickets. No, no. And um, going back to my un- part of my underrated move, I believe Anthony Bass actually has a club option for 2023 as well. And Zach Pop, they, they have under control for another several years. So that was another part of the deal I liked. Um, okay, let's think about the ramifications. What do you have as the best long-term trade? I think the best long-term trade is uh, a trade the Angels and Phillies swung Brandon Marsh for Logan O'Hoppy. I think, I mean, it was a very random trade when it broke. Uh, I, I was like, that's weird. You know, you don't you don't really see a lot of one-for-ones of players who are rookies. And, and, like, you don't really see, like, a rookie for a prospect. It's kind of a very rare trade. But I think long-term-wise, uh, the, the Phillies got, a, got an outfielder with a really, really safe floor. I mean, if Brandon Marsh is going to continue to hit like he does in the big leagues, he's not a good hitter. But... I wouldn't stretch it as far as Kiermaier level defense, but he is an elite defender and that's not going to go away anytime soon. So at the very least, the Philadelphia Phillies just got a defensive specialist center fielder and the angels get Logan O'Hoppy who builds catching depth in their system. I mean, the angels don't really have any catching prospects and Logan O'Hoppy, the returns this year are, he's pretty good. So I think this was a really weird trade, but I think a really good trade for both organizations. Yeah, for my best long-term trade, and I think if he were to be extended, um, it will, it, you could say it the other way with Luis Castillo. Um, if he were to be extended in uh, Seattle, I think you could, again, see it from the other perspective. But best long-term to me is Noel V. Marte being acquired by the Cincinnati Reds. Wow. Um, to be able to get a prospect of his caliber in exchange for a year and a half of of any player and Luis Castillo, I don't want to undersell Luis Castillo. He's a great starting pitcher. Um, and, and I understand why Seattle made the trade considering they're in a pennant or they're in a postseason race right now. They haven't been in the postseason in forever. Um, and, and Noel V. Marte is not going to help the team for several years, but man, the reds, the reds know they're not winning for a while. And to be able to get a pure five tool guy like him, I mean, he's, Top 20 in every sort of publication you'll see is number 17 on pipeline, number 10 on fan graphs. Um, and he's he's pretty much torn up just about level every level of, of the minor leagues that he's played at so far. Um, and he, he has room to develop. He's still a really young guy. Um, I don't know what he's gotta be 20. He's 20. I'm looking at his page right now. Yeah, and and for a 20-year-old to show the prowess that he has, I think he's only gonna get better. I think him and Ellie Dela Cruz, man, that's that's going to be an well, exciting tandem. What's in, in, uh, what's Cincinnati. really exciting about them is they both have like seventy plus raw power grades, and they're both like sixty plus speed. I mean, that, that's the thing is like like they are legitimate five tool. This guy rakes. Um, it's not a. It's a cool. I love this new age shortstop build where it's like. I mean, I think, you know, I think Fernando Tatis uh, and Carlos Correa really are the ones that started this, that you don't have to be smaller and defensive-minded at shorts. O'Neal Cruz. Have these, O'Neal Cruz, of course. I just had to say his name. You have these it. big guys that can hit for power and are nice with the glove. I mean, I, 
in our generation, I've now, you know, to me now, I shortstop's a great hitting position, or at least better. I think, you know, stars are at shortstop, and it used to really be shortstop was almost a, a catcher in the in the field kind of thing. Well, I think I think a better shortstop for the game is a guy like Andrew Velasquez or Isaiah Kiner Falefa, but <laughs> one's ever has said absolutely no one with any sort of seriousness. I mean, these I'm I'm super excited about Noelvi Marte and it I know it's tough for Reds fans right now and it's gonna be tough for a little bit, but I, I think the Reds, you could make the argument that they won the deadline. I thought they they did a great job and they've done a solid job of replenishing the farm system. Granted, I, I don't know if anything meaningful will really happen if they're, you know, without new ownership and actual commitment to the team, but that's not really Nick Kroll's fault. I think he did good with what he was handed. Well, and another thing is think about Ellie and Nolvi Marte with these insane raw power grades playing in Great American Small Park. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, that's you're talking about you get 40 home runs. I, it's it's crazy to to think of a shortstop possibly doing it. It'd be it'd be awesome. Um, so that's long term. What's your favorite short term trade? Um, my, my favorite short term trade is actually kind of two trades in one. I like the New York Mets going out and getting Daniel Vogel back and Darren Ruff as platoon options for their DH position because the New York Mets DH position was uh it was interesting i mean they they didn't really get any protection from their dh whatsoever dh position whatsoever and they were like one of the best teams in the nl um if the best team in the nl besides the dodgers i guess but to go out and get daniel vogelback and darren ruff i mean those are those are going to be two important bats for them down the stretch and especially in the postseason i mean I could just I can just picture Darren Ruff or Daniel Vogelback just having a massive hit in the postseason and New York just erupts. I think that was really, really smart move by Billy Epler. And I also think he was really smart not to trade a boatload for a rental in Wilson Contreras and instead just stay conservative and trust what they've got. Yeah. Um, I think there are a lot of interesting short-term trades. Um, that I was thinking of that I have written down, but what I'm going to go with is honestly, you could almost argue could also go under long-term. Um, but in terms of making a push this year to put them over the edge and just in what I would consider the short time period, Juan Soto and Josh Bell to the San Diego Padres. Um, Josh Bell is obviously a pure rental, but what he does for this lineup brings them that power at first base. He gives you what an actual first baseman is supposed to do as opposed to their former first baseman who now resides in Boston, who shall not be named. Um, What he does is incredible, adds that boost in the middle of the lineup. And then you add Juan Soto, who, I mean, some people are saying that he's having this like, it's like a down year or something. And, you know, it's like, oh, I haven't we heard as much about Juan Soto. It's because he plays for the Nationals and he has absolutely no one around him. And for all of this, you know, idea that he's playing bad this year, oh, he has a 249 average. Certainly he's not playing well. The dude has a 410 on base, 490 slugging. That's a 152 WRC plus. Don't ask him how he is in the field, but at the plate, that's like you said, the modern day Ted Williams. And to be able to get him for, you know, through the next two and a half seasons, that's three hopefully postseason runs. Um, you know, maybe they shorten their get their like window of success in making this trade by giving up so many prospects. But man, this might be the biggest win now trade ever 
um, if you really think about it, because no player of this caliber has been traded like Juan Soto um, in this situation. I think, I mean, the only similar caliber player getting traded, I think, is probably Miguel Cabrera. And even then, I mean, not at the age of, you know, 23 after with the accolades he has at this point in his career to a team like the Padres who are already so star-studded. So, yeah, um, Soto and Bow to the Padres. Well, also with that trade, I mean, I other than James Wood, every other p- prospect in that trade, in my opinion, doesn't really have, like, super high ceilings. I mean, Hassel and Gore, I think, will be solid major leaguers, but I don't really think there's, like, superstar potential in anyone but James Wood. And, like, to get those two, I mean, I know Bell is, in terms of this trade, a quote-unquote throw-in. But, like, to get those two talents and really only give up one guy that could end up being a superstar is kind of impressive. Yeah, and um, it's unfortunate that they had to end up throwing in Luke Voigt because of Eric Hosmer's lack of waiving his no-trade clause. I mean, that seems like a little bit of a messy job done by by Preller and Co. But ultimately, as much as you'd love to have Luke Voigt around, you're you're willing to forget he exists when you get the duo of Juan Soto and Josh Bell. But you know, it's it's how it goes. I I really I for as much as I know a lot of in a lot of trades guys or I guess fans, you know, are rooting to win the deal. And I think I mean getting Juan Soto in of itself and Josh Bell, you kind of won the deal. Um, but I really want all of those guys to ball out like I hope Mackenzie Gore gets healthy and, you know, is able to ball out. Same with, uh, same with CJ Abrams. I, I really believe in him. I think he's going to be a stud. I love all those guys. So I really hope that they play well. And I also hope Juan Soto leads the Padres to a championship. So I hope that when we go back and look at it, it's a pretty win-win deal um, would be my hope. My last question for you, the last tier of things, the most important one, because there are a lot of them that happen at every deadline. What is your favorite random trade? I think my favorite random trade is David Peralta being traded to the Tampa Bay race, the freight train. I mean, it was, it was very random. Um, when I saw the Twitter notification that David Peralta has been traded to the Tampa Bay Rays, And all I could think of is the terror he's going to, I mean, he's going to terrorize fan bases in October. I, you, you watch David Peralta is going to be a monster in the postseason. I just think, I, I mean, who doesn't like David Peralta? And I, I think it was cool to see him traded to the Tampa Bay Rays. This is just a very random move. You know, I, um, I don't disagree that it's random, but with your, um, you know, I would say prowess and, and almost fascination with some very under the radar moves. I'm a little disappointed by that because I think I win the more random one, which is Emmanuel Rivera being sent to the Diamondbacks from Kansas City in exchange for Luke Weaver. And one of the most confusing things I've ever seen, especially when you look at their profiles, Emmanuel Rivera has generally been a bad minor leaguer. Like up until 2021, he had a big year, but before then he was like a bad minor league player. He had a 79 WRC plus all season in 2019 in AA. Um, But he's played like about 100 games of mediocrity in the big leagues, being traded for Weaver, a former first rounder starter, who couldn't stay healthy, so now they've been using him in the pen this year, has a 7.27 ERA so far, yet has a 2.65 FIP in his 17 innings. There's just so much randomness there. I've got to congratulate the Diamondbacks for 
being in both of the random trades. Oh, I mean, the Diamondbacks killing it. Absolutely. They're like, I mean, the random trades to be had. That's the difference. I mean, I know this isn't where we're going. and But the Diamondbacks are different than the Rockies in that the Diamondbacks have sold at points. And that's why, no, they didn't really do anything big this year. But that's because they're in the wait and see point for their let their prospects develop. They're not, you know, I mean, Cattell Marte is their only big trade chip if they wanted to move. The Rockies are just in this pit of nothingness. So, I mean, it's hard to see the Rockies climb above like third in the division for a while unless something really changes. For the sake of baseball, I really hope that the Rockies just decide in the offseason that they're going to give Aaron Judge like $400 million or something just completely bizarre. That'd be the coolest thing ever. (laughs) That would literally be the coolest thing ever. They could solidify themselves as the weirdest strand franchise ever in any sport. Yeah, that that would be absolutely incredible. Um, I'm trying to think if we really missed anything. Um, I mean, Yankees, Frankie Montas. Um, I didn't touch on the Mont. We didn't touch on the Montas stuff. I uh, the deal. I think that was a great deal for the Yankees. Yeah. Like, I don't like their. I mean, I don't. Okay, I'll. I'll I don't know much about Medina or Waldachuk, but. Montas is really good, and I they didn't. I mean, they didn't give up Peraza. They definitely didn't give up Bolby. I think they did great. Yeah, I think in the context of what was given up for Luis Castillo, um, we talked about it. I, I, we, I think we both agreed for the most part Castillo's better than Montas, but it's not that significant of a difference, and they have similar. They have the same control. Um, and for the Yankees to not have to give up one of their top, top guys, I like Walter Chuck. I don't really know much about the other three. Um, Cooper Justin, Bowman's in that deal as well. And yeah, JP Sears. It's Walter uh, Chuck, Medina, Sears, Bowman. I really don't know a ton about the bottom three. I think Walter Chuck's solid. I don't think it's, it's a bad trade for the A's, but I think for the Yankees to get another starter down the stretch in Montas is a pretty reliable guy. He's not going to be your one, but he's going to give you good innings if he's healthy, a solid arm to have for the postseason. I think it was a solid deal for the Yankees. I just don't think it necessarily was so great, like impressive that it fell into any of these categories. But and speaking of the Yankees, I also think for uh, they got a good return on Gallo for what he what he's been. I mean, Clayton Beater, uh, I think he's got a lot of reliever risk, but he's got a great fastball. Yeah, I mean, when you're basically, I mean, Gallo had to go somewhere because he just was you had of was of no value in the Bronx. Give him a shot, and you might as well try to get something. I think to even get a a guy with some sort of skill at that level is uh, Clayton Peter with his fastball, even if he's like not, even if he doesn't pan out, just to get something for that. Not great considering what you gave up for Gallo, but to get anything back for him in his current state, not not bad, not bad. And I think another interesting one so far was Cindergard for Moniac. Moniac's been balling out with the Angels, but uh, and Cindergard had an awesome. Cindergard had an awful Phillies debut, but he got but he, he got threw the win. A complete game, complete game win. Uh, for, for those who aren't in on that, it, it was rain delay cut, and so he threw a five-inning complete game. And I feel for Mickey Moniak, he's he's had four great games as an angel, and he just broke his finger. That's Oh, I did not see that. That's brutal. Yeah, yeah. He, he broke his finger bunting, which he's – what a tough year for him. It's brutal. Um, But, yeah, hate to end on that sour note. 
but I think that's really all we got from the trade deadline. It was, yeah. it was a fascinating deadline. I mean, it was fascinating. It, 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 it was from, really boring for a while. Like we it, were, it was nothing, and then all of a sudden it just exploded. It went yeah. crazy. Yeah, it it really made full one eighty. Like it looked for a while like Castillo might be the standalone deal. There were certain guys that I mean we knew would move like a Montas. Um, there were guys that didn't get moved that we all thought would move like uh, um, Contreras and Hap. Overall, it was stunning it, they didn't move Contreras, by the way. Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. But, I mean, Juan Soto got moved, and, and just that in and of itself, I think, might make this the craziest deadline ever. But that's, I mean, that's a much more up-for-discussion kind of thing. But um, thank you guys so much for joining me. Noah, I appreciate having you on here, breaking this down. Um, for those of you who don't follow the blog, check out the blog. Um, it's the redshirt.blog or the redshirt.wixsite.com. I'll probably have a written up version of this as well. Stay tuned for some, you know, more football stuff as the season comes nearing. Follow the Instagram at the.redshirt to see all of the updates with this stuff. Um, check out the Twitter at the redshirt blog. Hopefully I'll get that going up soon. And if not, I don't know. Just why not? You'll, you know, you won't notice that you're just following one more account on Twitter. Who who really cares? Um, but that is all for this episode of the Retro Podcast. We will see you guys next time. And Juan Soto is a San Diego Padre.